Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to Sunday sermons from Southside Christian Fellowship. We would love to hear how God has blessed your life. Reach out to us through social media or email us at scfellowshipchurch at gmail.com. I began to think about Father's Day and, uh, you know, God tells us who he is in his scripture. He tells us by his name. And he is Jehovah. And that word Jehovah is a derivative of I am. But he's the Holy One. He's the one that's set apart. But not only did he say that he was Jehovah, he said, I am Jehovah Jireh. I am the Lord God that provides. And when he said he was Jehovah Jireh, we, we apply that to many things. But he only spoke that one time in the scriptures. And that was to Abraham as he was taking Isaac to be offered as a sacrifice. Jesus did provide. As I was taking communion this morning, I was reminded that he provided the sacrifice for me and for my sins, that he is my Jehovah Jireh that he gave him to me. He's Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Sid Canoe, Jehovah Rapha. He's my healer. He's my deliverer. He is El El Shaddai. He is Adonai. He is the great I am. That's our father. Of all the names that he has, though, the one I like the best is Abba. He's my daddy. He loves me like a daddy, and he's provided for me. So on this Father's Day, just begin to get to know your father's name. It's not just God. He is Abba. Bow your heads. Father God, we thank you. Mm. We thank you that you are our daddy that you love us with an everlasting love. The Lord, no matter what we do, no matter where we go, no matter what we've been through, that, Lord, you have, have provided a love that is beyond our ability to outrun. Lord, you've called us unto yourself. Lord, for those that have responded, you've said that we are your sons and your daughters. For those that have said yes to you, Lord, now we just want to be in that place to where that we are fully surrendered fully and totally committed to you. It's not about me. It's not about Southside Christian Fellowship. It's about you, Father. It's about your name going forth. It's about your glory. It's about your honor. It's about your praise. We pray in all sincerity, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth in my life, just like it is in heaven. I pray over you that you would all be one with him, that you would be one with each other, and that you would be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yeah, give the Lord praise. Amen. So just a brief update on Pastor Gary, who's in Haiti with his uh, mission team down there, uh, doing some great things. I know that they have planted a church. They have built some bathrooms up at the Prayer Mountain uh, that God provided for them, and they're they're either digging a well or they've had the well dug, but they're in the process of that. Uh, and on top of that, just God's just moving. There, there's been prayer and salvations, and just lots of ministry. He's still there, so please keep him and his team lifted up in prayer, uh, as well as the family that's still back here. One of those individuals, one of his sons, Gabriel, got to go with us uh, on the youth retreat, and I asked him if he would uh, hold off, and then I picked on him in service. So those of you that here last week. Uh, but he's, he's such a, a great young man. You know, if you've been here for any length of time and listened to him speak, God has just uh, grown him up, and he's getting so good at being able to deliver the word. So I've asked him to come up and just br to just share uh, about his experience 
on the youth retreat. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Um, so this is not just going to be like, a, you know, I guess, overview of the youth retreat. It's actually going to be a little bit of a testimony. The Lord has been kind of working on my heart recently. And um, so, yeah, this, this youth retreat has been honestly different. It's been very different, but in a good way. The Lord started to work probably the first night we got there when we had the seniors come. And, and uh, I believe that the Lord had put us there uh, first to lay a foundation for the rest of the retreat. And um, I was super excited to be able to go and just to kind of experience before all the little, little kids come all running around and stuff like that. So, but yeah, that, that was definitely one of my favorite nights for sure. I love you guys though. So, um, but anyways, so yeah, the retreat, the retreat was fun. It was fun. And um, I had to realize that not everything's going to be, you know, the most exciting. I, I had more quiet time with the Lord. I had more in-depth like feeling of his Holy Spirit and his presence. And that came with me stepping forward and entering in. And it took, it took a lot. Like Miss Amy said last Sunday, there were distractions. There was lots of stuff going on and, and it wasn't the most ideal space there. And so it took a little bit of, you know, stepping out. Okay, Lord, I'm going to have to make some adjustments because I can look up and I see somebody doing this or I see a, a toilet flooding or something like that. And so that, yes, that did happen. So, um, but so it, it definitely took a lot of, you know, pressing in, but I'm so thankful I did because just to see like the reward after it, yes, it did take some, some time. And it did, and in probably a night or two before I think the whole group was all solidified and we were all, you know, entering in. It did take a second, but I'm so thankful we all did and we had that time together uh, to be able to do so. And, and that comes with our quiet time, you know. We spent, what, like 20, 30 minutes um, just us and the Lord. You can pray, you can listen to your own worship music, just listen to the river, whatever you want to do. You go where you want to go. And that, for me, was really, really, like, amazing. Because last year, last youth retreat, we did, but I, I don't know. I was just kind of listening to worship music with everybody else and just wasn't really pressing in. But now I got the opportunity to just be alone and with the Holy Spirit. And, and that, that quiet time is so important, you guys. Get away and just wherever it may be, in your closet or your bedroom, at Walmart, wherever it may be, any time that you just have some time with the Lord, I, I pray that you guys find that because it is so amazing. But um, anyway, so the youth retreat, it was fun. And so when we got back um, Saturday, uh, well, we got back Friday, right, Miss Amy? Yeah, we got back Friday, but Saturday, I think I was just too, like, mentally and physically drained and exhausted to kind of, like, experience, like, the emotions and stuff like that. So Sunday morning hit me really, really hard, and uh, lots of you guys know it was, like, pouring down rain, especially where I live, and my mom was like, well, it's kind of hard to drive, so if you want to stay, you can, and I was like, okay, and so I started to think about it. And I'm like, no, dude, I got to go to church. I got to go to church. And, and so I made it. I got up and, and I came here. But I just, I don't know, dude, I, I felt something off. I felt like I was just in this dry spot. And, you know, Mr. Herman and I were just talking. But it really is like that. And it's true. It's not just for adults. It's not just for kids. It's for everybody. Everybody will go through that spiritual dry spot in their life. And it's, it stinks. It really does. And um, so I had 
just, I was just, it was a why God, why moment for me because I just did not know like what next. Okay. I just came off of this youth retreat. What do I do now? You know, I thought that I'm supposed to be so filled up with the Holy Spirit. I'm, I'm about to sit here and start jumping in, in, uh, in church, but it was, it wasn't. And, um, it, I was asking the Lord, I said, why Lord? And it got to the point so bad where like I, I wanted to leave. And, um, and so I, that, that day just, I was just so confused and I felt like I was running from the Lord, even sitting here in church. I felt like I just wasn't connected. I wasn't, I was not in church up here. I was sitting here, but I just was not thinking about it. Maybe I was listening, but it wasn't processing. It was going through one ear and out the other. And, um, and so I don't remember when it was one of, one of, uh, I think it was maybe Monday or Tuesday, or maybe Wednesday, I don't know. I had met with Miss Amy and Mr. Jared, and I told him. I just unloaded, and I, I just told him everything. And I'm like, y'all, like, why? And I got the, Miss Amy was very, very encouraging, and Mr. Jared kind of backed her up the same way, and, and I love them so much because they, they are such good listeners, and they are able to understand what somebody's feeling, even so young like me. And um, so, yeah, I, I, had, uh, I had just went over to their house and I told them, I was like, I don't know. You know, the youth retreat was so good for me. I, I was pouring out to people. The Lord was allowing me to pray for people, to give words for, to people, to, to worship when nobody else was. And I'm just like, that was such a high. But why the second I get here, it's just all the way down. And I know that that was a straight attack from the enemy. And Miss Amy and Mr. Jared looked at me and they were like, you know, it is so good I have to look at this as a positive effect. It was so good that the Lord allowed me. He filled me up before the youth retreat to be able to pour out to them. He used me to be able to enter in when nobody else was, to, to be like an example. So it is a good thing that I was already filled up to be able to pour out. Now it's time for me to recharge and let the Holy Spirit pour back into me. And so that completely shifted my mindset on everything because I was like, God, why? You know, like, why me? I, I thought I was supposed to be, you know, like on fire for the Lord the second I get back, blah, 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 you know? And so I just, I was so confused. But after that, and the, the Lord using them to encourage me just kind of shifted my whole mindset of everything. And I tell you guys, that literally only lasted for Sunday. The rest of the week, was amazing because I don't know if you guys know, I just started a business and that's a lot of stress. I had a couple customers this week and I didn't really want to do it on Sunday. I was tempted to call out. I just didn't want to do anything. But the second I talked to them, it shifted my whole mindset and raised my mood. And I was just so much more positive because I knew that the Lord was still going to continue to work in me and through me. So I, that was a little bit more of a testimony than the Euphor tree, but it did start on the Euphor tree. And I'm so thankful uh, for Miss Amy, Mr. Jared, and, and you guys for supporting us for that. So thank you guys so much. Amen. That was good. That was real good. Noah, would you like to share? Come on, sir. Amen. One more here. Isn't that good when the youth and the kids all want to share about what God's doing? Thank you. How are you guys doing today? Good. Um, so the youth retreat was really good. Well, first of all, I just want to start by thanking Mr. Jared and Miss Amy for setting up and Pastor Herman, Pastor Tammy for serving us this entire youth retreat. It was really amazing. Um, Pastor Herman's been talking about 
uh, dry seasons a lot. And I don't think it's really a, a unique thing with me. I think there's a lot of people going through dry seasons at the moment. And the youth retreat was amazing. Um, there were a lot of great experiences and a lot of great lessons that I learned. And I think one thing that I learned through this youth retreat was that even in a dry season or even in a season of, you know, feeling sort of distant from God, you can still be obedient. And when I think of the Apostle Paul, you know, he was in prison. I bet he probably did not feel like honoring God, but I feel like it is just as if not more honoring to God to be obedient to him and to worship him despite your feelings in the moment. So I know a lot for a lot of us youth, it was probably hard to press in, um, but still just despite not feeling anything, at least for me personally, I'm if you're able to feel God at the moment, I'm so glad for you and so happy for you. But at the moment, I really was struggling personally, but still just worshiping and throwing your hands up when you don't feel like it, I feel like is honoring to God. And that's a lesson that I think the Lord is trying to show me. Um, and also, there were some really great moments on the retreat that I wanted to share. Um, there was this, um, Mr. Jerry, the entire, um, his lesson for this entire retreat was about running your race. And so we had batons, and there was a sort of baton handoff from Gabriel to me. I'm the next senior in this group. So Gabriel's kind of the leader right now, you could say. So it was nice him handing the baton off to me, you know. Uh, that was really humbling and honoring to be able to, you know, at least ceremonially take the position of leadership. Uh, um, also, probably the most, the best thing on this retreat was just seeing all of my friends being baptized. Just going under and just, you know... Praise God, praise God. Just going under the water and then just signifying that or just letting the world know I'm dead to sin and I'm buried with Christ and I'm raising with him. You know, it was just a great thing to see them all just profess their faith. Um, and also, I want to thank uh, Miss Amy and Mr. Jerry for letting us write in each other's journals. Just words of encouragement, I think, is really special and important in the body of Christ. So thank you. And it was really great. To say. Amen. Amen. So I was told uh, what I should do is get Mr. Mark to tell all these jokes, but uh, I told them I was quite capable of handling my own dad jokes, so thank you, but uh, you'll have to go to youth or young adults class to get those. So I do want to say Happy Father's Day, and um, I do have a couple of uh, fantastic dad jokes to drop on you before we get going here, but the first thing I want you to know is, do you know the difference between a bad joke and a dad joke? It's one letter. You heard it yesterday. Stop cheating, okay? You heard that one yesterday. Cheater, cheater. Now, you paid attention is what it was, right? Yeah, just one letter. Just one letter. So, but do you know when a joke becomes a dad joke? When it becomes a parent. So, all right. Hey, Dad, where did you learn to make banana splits? Sunday school. Sunday, S-U-N-D-A-E, Sunday school, yeah? All right, one more real quick. There were three men about to become fathers. Their wives were all in the hospital, and they were waiting for delivery. And the nurse came out to the first, first dad and said, just want to congratulate you. You're having twins. What a blessing. And the dad said, thank you so much. He said, that's a coincidence. I work for the Minnesota Twins. Man, a little while later, the nurse came out, congratulated the second dad, said, you're having triplets. He said, man. That is a coincidence, isn't it? I work for the 3M company. About that time, the third dad started going to the wall and beating his head against the wall. And the nurse said, uh, sir, what's wrong? He said, I, I work for 7-Up. 
So I don't think there's anything wrong with having seven kids, but to have them all at once, man, I mean, that's a, uh, yeah. So, <laughs> you know, when I tell dad jokes, when I hear dad jokes, I think of my dad, my earthly father. I, I love uh, the fact that he helped develop my sense of humor and the fact that we can laugh at life. And so I've been very blessed to have a father like I have. Uh, he is just a complete package. I'll just be honest with you. And I know that he does make mistakes from time to time. Uh, but it's very few and far between, and he has developed uh, my love of the Lord and life, and I just could not tell him enough how grateful I am for that. You know, he's a compassionate man. He's a loving man. He's very courageous, and he's a great example, and I still look up to him today, and I really have to battle because, like he shared with you guys before, that he began to put his father, my grandfather, on a pedestal, and began to, to look at him as God and did that all his life. And I've done the same thing. And when you have a dad like mine, it's easy to do because he's just always there. He just takes care of you. And so, uh, you know, it is that dynamic and that difficulty of making sure that I'm not making him God the Father. And that's been a journey. That's been a challenge. But for those that don't have a father like mine, that is the cool thing is that as good as my dad is, he still is not on the same level as God the Father. As amazing as my dad is, he is still not on the level of God the Father. And so we each have the best father if we'll just turn to him and trust him. Amen? Amen. I wanted to talk to you about being a father. Let me give you a few statistics. Uh, full disclosure, these are a little older, so we're talking about seven or eight years ago. Uh, but that'll just tell you that they haven't gone down. The numbers I'm going to give you have not gone down. Uh, first of all, there are an estimated 72 million fathers in the United States. There are 2 million single fathers in the United States. That really shocked me because all I ever hear about and most of what I see is single mothers. We don't really ever think about fathers being the single parent, but there are an estimated 2 million single fathers in the United States. And 17% of all single parent households are single fathers. 33% of all children, that's over 24 million, which like I said is probably more now, they live in a home without their birth father. And in 1960, there were about 9% of children living with a single parent. And by 2012, that number had risen to 20% of all children. 90% of runaway and homeless children are from fatherless homes. 71% of all high school dropouts are from a fatherless household. You know, the data doesn't lie. Fathers are extremely important in a child's development. And it is important that they have that Male role model, whether you're a son or a daughter, that male role model. So I would love to see our world be the biological fathers that are the ones that are providing for and taking care of their children. That would be amazing. But there can be step parents, there can be adopted parents, there can be uncles, there can be other men in a child's life. And so maybe you don't have kids. Uh, but maybe you're an uncle. Maybe you, you know, are thinking of adopting, things like that. Children need that father figure. That father figure. That's the balance of men and women. Men and women both have strengths. And the cool thing is when you get to digging into it, God designed us both to come together to make one amazing superhuman parent couple, right? But without one part of that, it's lagging. It doesn't mean that there aren't great single moms. It doesn't mean that there aren't great single dads. But you're, you're fighting a much tougher battle. Kids need their fathers in their lives. You know, one of the issues that I see, or at least that I had 
becoming a father was there's no manual. And the previous generation seems intent on you sharing the experience they had rather than telling you how to avoid the pitfalls. You know, it's like boys growing up, maybe girls do it too, I don't know, but, you know, uh, you go to camp or something like that, and you'd smell a sock that was stinky. You didn't just throw it away or something. You wanted to get your friend to smell it too, right? You had to have them experience it too. It wasn't enough for you to have had that experience, right? You got to make sure they have that experience it too. So you kind of see that with parents going down to kids, right? Or we get a little stubborn and we're like, I know how to parent. I don't need your help. Some of us learn a lot quicker that, that I need a lot of help, right? There is a manual. We're going to talk about that manual in just a minute, but I feel like that's what happens a lot of times is, you, you know, couples are happy. They want a kid, but then that kid comes along and it doesn't quite work out the way that they thought it was going to work out. I was with a couple recently and they were talking about uh, wanting children and, and they got into a discussion right there uh, with me in the, in the office and they were talking about how they're going to raise the kid and whether or not the kid was going to grow up on all of this Mozart music and things of that nature or if they were going to grow up on all these children's shows and cartoons and stuff. I tried not to laugh out loud. I had a little chuckle there and I just told them my experience and I explained to them I totally understand where they're coming from. In my house, we were not going to watch Barney. Barney was forbidden. Not because Barney was bad per se, but Barney annoyed me to no end. Barney was annoying. And so I said, no Barney. I'm not sure how many Barney tapes we own, but it was way more than four or five. Barney made it into the house, right? Sometimes that kid dictates what's going on and what you want. One of the, one of the other things that Tammy and I saw were these teachers. And I think teachers, for the most part, get into education for the right reasons. And those that have kids, I think, can handle a classroom better the majority of the time than those that don't have kids. Why? Because when you don't have kids, you can send that kid home. You can take a breather at home. You can rest. When you have a kid, it's 24-7. It don't matter if you don't want this or that to happen. You don't want that kid to wake up in the middle of the night or to cry or to have a bad day or bad attitude or whatever the case may be. But guess what? You can only control so much of that. You can influence that behavior, but you can't control it. And when you're surrounded by that, you start to take on a different outlook on life. How many of you have been around couples that have a young kid? Maybe you have young kids, and they start crying or screaming. We went to a funeral a few weeks ago, and the parent took the kid to the back of the sanctuary. They, they tried to help out. But I'm sitting there, and I hear this kid. He must be kicking the wall. And it's not like he's right at the wall kicking it, right? All of a sudden, I hear, and then waits for a little bit, waits for a little bit. They got him under control. He hit, Whoa, we're in a funeral, y'all. We're, you know, that keeps going on and on and on. The ones with young kids, it didn't phase them at all. They didn't even hear the kid. You've been in a restaurant or on a plane or somewhere, and the people with young, young kids, they don't even hear that kid crying. They've learned to tune that out. Everybody else is pulling their hair out and just, they're going crazy, right? I used to have young kids, and it didn't bother me then. They've gotten older. They're out, they're out of the house for the most part, still working on one. That bothers me more now. I get around a crying kid, and I'm like, Lord, give me some patience because uh, oh, I don't know what to say. This is not good for me anymore, you know? It's all about the things that we can control and not control, but when you become a parent, some of that is removed from your, your life. You think you know how things are going to go, so what happens? We end up bailing out, and we see that with parents all the time. We see kids having babies, you know, talk about wanting a man to be a father, and yet they haven't grown up themselves. And so these all contribute to the statistics uh, 
uh, that, that I read to you. You know, the other part of that is we don't really know what manual to choose to use. You hear all the time there's no manual for raising kids, but there is a manual. And those of you that are saved know that it's the Bible. The Bible is our manual. But people don't subscribe to the Bible all the time. Even Christians don't always go to the Bible for every situation. What we end up doing is raising our kids based on our upbringing. If we felt like what our parents did was good, then we'll duplicate that. If we feel like what our parents did was bad, we will try to change that. I told you guys a couple weeks ago, I really hated when my mom would respond with, because I said so. And it didn't take long before I was responding like that. Even though I had made the declaration, I wouldn't do that to my kids. But after they keep asking you the same thing over and over and over and over and over again, finally the 50th time, you're like, I'm done explaining because I said so. I don't care if you like it or not. And you end up doing some of those same things, right? But we start out trying to raise based on our upbringing. The problem with that method is that sometimes the discomfort that we experienced in life is needed. Gabriel talked about the dry spaces again, the desert wasteland. We've been talking about the wilderness. That's things we don't like. That's discomfort. But it is for our benefit. And unless we realize the value of that as parents and even as children, we won't duplicate those in our children. So we've got to lean on some other understanding besides just our own experiences. Our experiences can shape us and help us, but ultimately we have to be submitted to the manual. And there are a lot of books written on parenthood, and there's, there's lots of help out there with parenthood, but the best book, the best manual is this Bible. That is the best book. You know, Again, those times of discomfort, that's what the manual will explain to you on how to implement in your kids and how to better understand when you went through it. Remember, the wilderness is not supposed to be a negative experience. It's all in how we look at it. It's, it's, the, it's used for the purpose of training us, for purifying us, strengthening us, preparing us for what's to come. It's a training ground. It's not always comfortable. You know, we... Unless we see the value in the discomforts of our upbringing, we won't duplicate them with our kids. So we go to the manual. We go to the Bible. We look for ways to not only live our lives, but how to raise our kids. And, and if you are a kid, or you were a kid, which should be everybody in this room, right? That was a no-brainer. The manual tells us how to behave as children. It tells us how we should treat our parents. But first begins with 2 Timothy to tell us what the Bible is for. 2 Timothy 3.14 says, You, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them. Let me stop right there for a minute. You know, if you grew up like I did, you grew up in a Christian, God-loving, God-serving household. So I remember the training. I remember the things my parents taught me. 2 Timothy goes on from there, says, and, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Jesus Christ. All Scripture, not some, not a few, all Scripture is inspired by God and beneficial for teaching, for rebuke, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man or woman of God may be fully capable, equipped for every good work." So you say, okay, I'll buy into that. My problem is when I read it, I don't understand what I'm reading. 
You ever read a book you didn't understand what you were reading? I learned yesterday that I do like reading books. You just got to get me the right book. I got a new dad joke book. I read through half that thing in about 30 minutes. I loved it. I love reading articles on ESPN and, you know, different things, but it's got to be the interest. It's got things I like. Sometimes I read in this Bible, I don't like what I read. Sometimes I read a chapter and I go, I have no idea what I just read. It makes no sense to me. So what do you do? Well, the manual tells you what to do. The Holy Spirit is our interpreter. John, the 14th chapter, says, These things I have spoken to you. This is Jesus speaking, by the way. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. I used to try to memorize all the scriptures. I try to keep it straight in my head, and I just couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. We were talking about uh, Kevin uh, the other day. Somebody was reminding me about the impression he had made, the fact that he could just recite verse after verse after verse after verse. And I told him one day, I said, man, Kevin, I, I don't know how you do that. I, I would love to be able to do that. He reminded me where he got some of his training, and he had 25 years to just sit and do nothing but read the Bible. And I'm not sure I want to go through that method. I'm not sure I want that training method. But that's what we do. We, we ask the Holy Spirit. So if we'll read it, we might not understand it right there. Dad just shared with you last week the scripture, and you'll have to remind me where it's found, Dad, but it's talking about I am the God of uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? But Dad said all of a sudden it was like a, a light bulb went off, and he read it again, and it said, I am, not was, not that they're dead. They might have died in the flesh, but they're alive with Christ. He's been reading the Bible his whole life. He's been studying. You sat under his teachings, his preachings. He understands what he's talking about, and yet fresh revelation. That's not the first time he read that scripture. So we have to keep reading it, keep reading it, keep reading it. And guess what? God will bring it to our members. He will open it up to us if we ask him to teach us and to show us. Because ultimately, you know what our job is? Ephesians 5.1 tells us what to do. This is how easy our Christian life should be. Ephesians 5.1 says, Therefore be imitators of God as dear children. That children part is not by coincidence. You think back to your childhood, and you go and interview any child, you go watch any child, and they 100% trust their parents until one of a couple things happens. Either there's a discomfort they experience that they don't like, or they see fallibility in their parents. The first time your mom or dad says something that they're not correct on, then you start struggling to trust them. But before then, you just, okay, that's what he said, let's do it. I mean, there are times people will ask me even to this day why we're doing something. I, I don't know, I just told me to do it. I, I trust the person that told me to do it, I'm doing it. I'll go ask, but I don't know. You know, that's the thing with God. Our speaker yesterday, and I hope I don't mess this part up because I wasn't planning to say it, but uh, we had a, a fellow in here yesterday for the men's breakfast, and he said it great. He said, I kept praying, Lord, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? Who do you want me to see? What do you want me to say? And God told him that was wrong. He said, what do you mean that's wrong? That's the way I've always done it. How is that wrong? I'm asking you to tell me. He said, no, God said to say, God, where do you want to go? Who do you want to see? God, what do you want to say? It puts the focus back on God. So then when you do that, and you're just saying, hey, God, where do you want to go? And he says, go here. You don't have to ask why. You trust him, you go. 
Because many times we got out of the car with dad and we just started driving. I have no idea where we're going. Just spending time with my dad, having a good time. Might show up. One of the reasons I, I contend that I'm no good with directions is because I never really paid attention to where we were going. I just had a good time talking and hanging out with my family and my dad. You know, didn't worry about it. I've told you before, Tammy, it's tough to get used to her because she's just like my mama in this respect. She'll ruin every TV show and movie I watch because they'll do something in there and she knows who the killer is. She knows who's the bad person. She knows what's going to happen. And sometimes she can't help herself. And she'll say, I think so-and-so did that. And at first, I was like, I don't know. I, I, I think it's this person. I don't really know. I'm not even paying attention that close. I'm just enjoying the ride. You get to the last part, and sure enough, they did it. And I thought, you know, that movie was so much better before you told me that. Because now what happens is she'll just say something out loud, and I go, forget it. I'm not even watching it anymore. I don't need to watch it. You told me the whole storyline right there. She's good at that stuff. Me, I just go for the ride. I just go for the journey. You know, if we'll do that with our Heavenly Father, everything becomes easier. Becoming children in the way we respect our adults and our parents. Being the parent and how we treat our children and how we raise them is so much easier and so much better. If we just go to God as children and say, Lord, my son Eddie is driving me up a wall. You got a problem, Lord. Because actually I gave him back to you. So what do you want me to say? What do you want me to do? Because he's acting crazy right now. Let me just give you the one story I'm thinking of here so y'all don't think he's doing something all totally illegal and horrible and selling drugs and things of that nature, right? He's living in an apartment not too far from here. He got his car impounded because somebody stole the sticker off the back of his tag. You know, each year you have to get the new emissions sticker. He got it. It was there. It's fully documented. Somebody stole it, but it's written in, in the lease that you have to have everything tagged and documented. So the tow truck company came through there and they towed it away. So he came out and it's like, where is my car? So he found his car, but it was in Decatur or something. So Tammy took him up to Decatur. We helped assist to pay the, the fee to get it out of impound. And then we went to, he went to the police and talked to them, and they kind of gave him his, some uh, advice. He filed the report, and all he had to do was go pick up the new tag. But did he do that right away? No. So guess what? His car got impounded again. And now he's mad, and i got to walk him through this, because all that's going through my head is, you're a dummy. But I can't say that to my kid. I love him. But that was just stupid, son. The cop told you what to do, and you drug your feet, and now it's an impound lot. Good luck. I'm done. I, got, I don't have time to take you up the impound lot. You should have learned your lesson. You know. It's aggravating. So I turn and I say, Lord, he is aggravating the fool out of me. And the Lord says, I got him. Don't worry about it. So, okay, Lord. But, you know, he managed to find a way to get up to that impound lot to pay that fee. He went and got his tag, put it on there. No stress on me. No stress on me. And the Lord helped him and blessed him and showed him how to do it, right? And guess what? He learned something from that experience. He learned something from that experience. You know, we just have to go to the Lord as children. No matter what your position is in life, no matter if you're the boss, the CEO, it doesn't matter. The head of the household, it doesn't matter what it is. If we all go to God as children, we're simply saying, all right, Lord, we're going to do. What are we going to do? Lord, we got a leak over here. What are you going to do? What are we going to do? Need some help with that, Lord. Let me move on. You know, I told you that 
children trust the people that are in their lives until they just experience enough uh, lies or discomfort or pain or letdowns, and then they start uh, having honestly really, really tough issues. We see that a lot with kids that bounce from um, uh, group home to group home. Uh, You see that a lot with kids that have run away because they're experiencing that. I mean, just so many heinous things happen in our world. But before that started happening, there was complete trust and love. And, you know, you go to a kindergarten graduation or pre-K graduation, right? And, and, you know, pick out the person that's going to grow up to be the thief or the liar or the degenerate or whatever it may be. Pick something that's hard. You can't pick them out. Why? Because they're just kids right there. They're just kids. They don't know anything about race issues. They don't know anything about hating other people. They don't know anything about that stuff. They just love people. They know they're like jumping on the uh, trampoline or swinging or playing dodgeball or whatever the case may be. And so they begin to doubt. But our Heavenly Father never lets us down. Our Heavenly Father is perfect. It tells us that in Matthew 5, 48. Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Now, I don't want to dig into that first half of the Scripture, but the second half tells us that our Heavenly Father is perfect. It's perfect. Then if you needed more proof, Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if he was perfect yesterday, he's perfect today. He's going to continue being perfect forever. You don't have to wonder. You don't have to guess. His ways are always the right ways and the best ways, even if we don't understand those ways. So I guess the real question is, if the Bible is filled with scriptures that help us live our lives more abundantly, that make us better parents, that make us better sons and daughters, that make us better people, I guess we just got to prove that the author, that the, that the God that inspired all scriptures is real. Because if you believe that God is real and that he inspired all this, then I don't understand why you wouldn't want to use that. So let me run you through this real quick here. Let me just tell you what I feel like is logical. And I don't want to get into a real deep conversation here on purpose. I want you to see if you just think about this logically, it should make sense that our God is real. Because if I'm to trust the word of God, I have to trust God. You know, to trust God, I got to believe that he exists. So let's start with a relative. I felt like that was an easy way to make this connection. And we've all got a relative we've heard about but not seen. In my life, uh, my great-grandfather was named Popcorn. When you talked about no limp, Lord, I was like, I better tell her this is not because I got a limp. But but I had a great-grandfather named Popcorn. I love it when kids get to name their grandparents, right? So you get Nano, no big deal. But it's also how you get Nana Daddy, which took me a while to get used to. Or you get popcorn or granny or any of that kind of stuff. But anyway, so popcorn loved to carve things. And this is just an example of one of the things that he carved. But can I tell you something? I didn't actually witness him carving this. The people in my life that I trust have told me the stories. They've shown me pictures of me being a baby in his lap. I wasn't aware of who that was. I don't remember that time. But yeah, there's photographic evidence. There's stories from people that I trust. There's Objects that have actually been carved that show proof that he existed. You know, we can trust that that relative is real based on a couple of things. First of all, you're here, aren't you? Somebody made you. Rather, I should say somebody helped made you. Made, make you. That's proof right there. There's got to be somebody that helped with that. Talked about evidence of him with the creation um, 
pictures, creations, things like that. I told you about my great-grandfather popcorn. And then, again, like I said, people that you trust to tell of their personal encounters. I mean, I know that there was a Herman the First, a Herman Sr., but nobody here met Herman Sr. That's a good place right there. How about we'll just stay right there in Jesus' name. I'll pick it up later, Daddy, I promise. See, 48 years old, and I'm still concerned that I just got in trouble right there. My dad's in the front row, and he knows I just dropped that cane. It's very precious and important, but thank God he offers with grace and forgiveness. Let me move on and get back to what I'm saying here. <laughs> People you trust tell their personal encounters. You know, my great-grandfather on my dad's side was Herman Sr., most people thought that Grandam was Herman Sr., and they say it all the time. They'd call Dad Herman Jr., and they'd, they'd uh, say I was the third. But I'm the fourth. I'm Herman the fourth. So just on my birth certificate, I know there's something there. I mean, surely I can't be the fourth without there being one, two, and three. You know, Eddie is Herman Edgar Mason the fifth. I say that because he contends that he's Herman Eddie Edgar Mason the fifth, but Eddie's not a part of his government name, right? That's not what's on his birth certificate. But he's the fifth because before him came a fourth, a third, a second, a first, right? There's evidence to that. Then I have the stories of my grandfather who was his son, right, to tell me. And Grandam was somebody I trusted, and so why would he lie to me, right? So there's personal encounters, even though I didn't have those personal encounters with my great-grandfather. It's no different with God. It's no different with God. How do we apply this same logic? Well, how do you know God's real? First of all, you're here. Somebody help make the people that help make you. Somebody help do that. God is who helped do that. Second, there's evidence of him. We see creation. We see the wind. We see life itself. So while we may not physically see God, we see evidence of him. The third way is that people that we trust have told of their personal encounters. Some of that is through the testimonies that we give of our experiences with God. But this started long ago. And then when Jesus walked the earth, there were disciples that actually walked with Jesus, that wrote the stories down, that told of Jesus. And then we pass those stories down from generation to generation to generation. So while I may not have walked with Jesus, somebody I know and trust knows somebody they know and trust that walked with Jesus and tells of their personal encounters, not myths, not legends, but personal encounters. The other way that we can know of God is by testing his word. Now, I know the Bible says don't test the Lord your God. I get that. I get that. But most of that is by doing negative things, right? God has no problems with you testing his word for the benefits and the blessings. He tells us in Malachi 3.10, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and put me to the test now in this, says the Lord of armies. If I do not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. God says, put me to the test, but bring the whole tithe. Oh, preacher, you just want to bring in the money example. You're absolutely correct. It's very important that we understand money, but I'll go further. God said it another way here in Matthew, the seventh chapter, seventh verse, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks, it will be open. So have you tried asking? Have you tried seeking? Put him to the test. 
He will answer. We're playing golf one day. I don't remember if I was there or not, but for this purpose, I'm going to say I was there with my grandfather. I've heard the story so many times, I can't remember if I was actually there or not. But, but Grandam was just wanting to hear God. And there were these birds that were all around the golf course, and they were making all kinds of noise. And he said, God, I know you're real, but if there's any way you could just prove yourself to me, would you just close the mouths of every one of these birds? And instantly all those birds stopped stopped and they didn't make a sound for what seemed like forever and granddam said kind of like Gideon throwing out the fleece God I thank you for that just one more time Lord Lord I know you're real but could you just prove yourself to me and cause those birds to start speaking again and instantly they start speaking instantly they start speaking I mean I don't know if you've had encounters like that with God, but I encourage you to pursue God and ask him. Now, let me tell you where the, the issue comes in here. People want to turn God into their genie, into their vending machine. Oh, God, if you're real, give me this brand new car. Oh, God, if you're real, give me this house. No, 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 no. Ask God according to the scriptures. James said you have not. Because you ask not. And when you do ask, you ask with selfish motivation. See, my grandfather wasn't being selfish. He was trying to grow closer to the Lord. So I encourage you, do things God's way. He will absolutely prove himself to you. If you go back and study that scripture in Gideon, it talks about him throwing out a fleece, and God proved himself multiple times to Gideon. God will do that for you as well. He's not sitting up there going, nope, nope, I'm not going to show you anything. What do you think a testimony is built on? Why do you think I stand up here and give God credit that my son's car didn't blow up? Because I've learned to understand that that is God looking out for me and my family. How are we doing on time? Do I need to finish this up? Let's see here. Give me just about five more minutes here, please. Matter of fact, let's just go to that scripture. Let me go to Revelation 12, 11. That is my favorite scripture in the whole Bible. And they overcame him because of the blood of the lamb and because of the word of their testimony, and they did not love their life, even when faced with death. I tell you all the time, the blood's been shed. The blood has been shed. The testimony has to be building. You're going to go through something. It's a test. That's how you spell the word testimony. You can't have a testimony without a test. There's going to be testing, and that's why we have to get used to the discomfort because that's where the testing comes from, and that's where the testimony comes from. That's where the increase in faith comes from, and then when something like that happens again, you're not sitting there going, I don't know if God loves me. I don't know if God's real. Why? Because that's baby stuff. That's beginner child stuff. To constantly question everything that goes bad in your life as being God against you. But that maturity that we gain from reading the manual that grows us as parents and grows us as kids. That's what helps us to endure the dry seasons. That's what helps us to grow in the wilderness. That's what helps us to grow in our faith and our closeness and our relationship with the Lord God Almighty. When he talks about the word, and they overcame it because of the blood of the lamb and because of the word of their testimony. Please understand that word comes from logos. It means uttered. Something said, the act of speaking. What do I constantly try to get you guys to do? What did Dad constantly try to get you guys to do? Give testimony. I don't want to stand in front of people. God's the one that said give testimony. And it's not just in your head. 
It's not just thinking it and hoping that, that they'll hear those thoughts in your head. You want to use your mouth and actually say to people what God has done for you. You want to overcome the enemy by the words that you're speaking of the testimony. Amen? If that's not enough for you, he told us in Matthew 28, 19, and 20, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to follow all that I commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. You can teach through example, but you got to use your words. you got to use your words, which goes back to how important words are. So I want to encourage you fathers. I understand how frustrating kids can be. I've had three of my own. My dad understood how frustrating we could be. Choose your words carefully. Speak love to your kids. That doesn't mean you can't discipline them. In fact, you should discipline them. One of the things Tammy and I tried to do, and I would say that we were at least 95% good with it, was not to do any name calling, which is why I hesitated when I said, son, you're being a dummy. <laughs> because you can say things and not even realize your kids are picking up on what you're talking about. You can say something, think your kids aren't around hearing you, and they hear it. You want to be, you want to be uh, purposeful about what you're pouring into your kids because guess what? You only have so much time with them to pour into them. Now, my dad still continues to pour into me when I allow him to. And we've gotten to a point in our relationship, I allow him anytime he wants to. But as a kid, he, he had way more time to pour into me because I was with him all the time. He could constantly be teaching me lessons, constantly be pouring into me. So constantly pour into your kids. And I'll close with this right here. That's the first one, right? I was told I went for five closings the last time. I will not be breaking that record today. I will not be breaking that record today. Let me tell you how all this relates. Everything we've talked about this morning, everything you've listened to. As a father, I'm going to put it on you. You have a responsibility to raise your kids in the way they should go. As parents, we should do that. But fathers definitely need to be involved with that. Think about those statistics I read to you. Proverbs 22.6 tells us to train up a child in the way they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. That doesn't mean there aren't going to be some bumps along the way. My dad raised me, going back to the money thing, he raised me to be a tither. I knew that concept. But there comes a time where we have to make those decisions for ourselves. I can't just do it because my parents told me to do it. And I walked away from that for a season, and it was a miserable season. And my financial life did not turn around until I decided to make the commitment to go back to tithing and offering the way I was trained. So I did go back to the way I was trained. I took a detour, but because of what my parents planted in me, I went back to the ways of the Lord. Now, there are, way of, there are a lot of other examples, and I'll just add this to it. God has blessed Tammy and I so much that even those car repairs, we had the money in the, in the savings account to do that. I, my bills haven't decreased since the time I went into the ministry five years ago. And I'm still not uh, making as much money as I was making before I left my teaching job. But yet somehow all the bills get paid. We've gone on a couple of vacations here and there over the last five years. We've had the money to fix the cars when they break down. And I, the only way I can explain it is God. Why? Because I went back to doing the things that my parents had trained me to do and trusting them even when I didn't understand. And because they chose to train me according to the ways of the scriptures, it's been paying off for me and my family. It's been paying off for me and my family. we got to know that God is real. And when we know that God is real, we can trust the manual that he left for us.
All we have to do is allow the Holy Spirit to interpret that manual for us, which takes time. It can't just be a quick second. I, I, I will say that I'm not sure if you could pull it off at Walmart, Gabriel. I mean, you may can. I mean, God works in amazing ways, but, but we need to be purposeful about getting along with the Lord and, and spending time with him and remembering this right here, Proverbs 3, 5 through 7. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding but in all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet as I go back and break this down one more time here. Because this is everything we've been talking about today. You want to be the best father you can be? Go by this scripture right here. You want to be the best son or daughter you can be? Go by this scripture right here. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Not, I'm going to put out a bunch of feelers and we're going to see. I was ministering to a guy one time and I said, man, you've tried it your way and you're telling me it's just not working out. I said, I think it's time you went the way of Jesus. He said, well, let's give it a shot. I said, no, it's not, it's not about giving it a shot. I mean, either you're convinced or you're not. You can't just trust in God partially. You need to trust him with your whole heart and lean not on your own understanding. There are times we feel very wise. There's times I have been very, very successful at what I'm trying to do and I end up taking on that persona thinking that it was me instead of God using me but don't worry God always 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 reminds me who's really in charge what I'm learning is try to avoid that cockiness and that arrogance so that I don't have to experience that humility the way that God has to teach but in all your ways all our ways every single decision we have to make we should acknowledge God and then he will not might not he'll think about it if you jump through 55 more hoops, no, no. It says he shall. He will direct your paths. If you can't remember all that, simply remember, do not be wise in your own eyes. Amen? Amen. Today, I want to I close with this right here. I feel it in my heart that there's somebody, and it may be somebody here, maybe somebody you know, but there's somebody that doesn't know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. You say, Pastor Herman, how does that relate to everything? Well, let's, let's go with what Tammy talks about where you start at the end and come back. If we're trusting the manual, that must mean that we must trust the inspirer of the manual, which is God. So if we don't know God, we don't trust the manual. It's just another philosophy book. So it starts with this right here. You want to be a good father. I told you not to trust yourselves, but to trust God. It really starts with what's your relationship with God? What's your relationship with God? Do you know him as your personal Lord and Savior? And so I want to end with this today. If you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, or if you've walked away from him and you want to rededicate your life today, I don't want you to wait any longer. I want you to come down here right now and let me pray with you. Amen. I'm sitting here looking at my buddy back there who did this last year. Um, yes, and I always mess it up. It's uh, not. Tell me how to say your name again. Yeah, it's you, young man. Chimer. I'm sorry, Chimer. I, I know you've told me that 35 times. I will get it. Chimer is Michael's grandson. Came down to stay with his granddad last summer. Came to help us out to cook hot dogs last year. He saw Pastor Gary and, and myself and a couple others ministering to people and just simply asked the question, Chimer, have you ever given your life to Jesus? He said, you know, I hadn't. He said, but I want to. And last summer, he gave his life to Jesus. Amen? Amen. Starts with that personal relationship. 
starts with that personal relationship. So is there anybody here today before we get out of here? Amen. Amen. Be listening and looking because if you're telling me that you know Jesus, you have that personal relationship with him, and there's somebody around you God wants to use you to minister to, to express that love. So be looking for that today. Amen. Amen. Bow your heads, close your eyes. I want to speak a blessing over you. Father, I thank you for this time together. We thank you for your word. We thank you for ministry. We thank you for the worship. Lord, we just thank you for you. Father, I thank you for all the fathers that are taking responsibility for their kids, Lord God. All of the men that are stepping in the place of fathers that are not there for their kids, Lord God. Lord, I thank you for them. Lord, I pray for those that don't know what it means to be a father, that you would educate them, that you would love them, and that you would bring them back, Lord God. Lord, I pray for the children, Lord, as we try to be the sons and daughters that you've called us to be, even when we don't agree with our parents, even when it's frustrating, even when we don't understand. Lord God, we would submit to you to be the best son and daughter that you called us to be, Father. Lord, on this day as we celebrate Father's Day, we thank you for being that perfect father. And Lord, we really celebrate you, the author and finisher of our faith, the creator of each one of us, Lord God. And we say thank you. We say thank you for what you've done. We say thank you for what you're doing. We say thank you for what you're going to do, Lord God. Lord, as we leave this place today and enter the mission field, would you please put somebody on our path that we might be able to minister to, to minister your love and your gospel, Father God. Lord, just go with us, guide us, and direct us, Father. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to Sunday Sermons from Southside Christian Fellowship Church, a place where you are loved, accepted, and received, a place of healing, a place of prayer, a place of hope. We invite you to join us this Sunday and every Sunday. For service times, location, and other information about the church, please visit our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net. Again, that's southsidechristianfellowship.net. As we wrap up today's message, we would like to once again thank you for listening. We would like to also have Papa Herman to speak a Father's blessing over you. May the Lord bless and keep you that he would cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you, that the Lord would lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And remember that the Lord's favor is with you all the time. Expect it. It is with you. It's manifesting itself to you. It will overtake you no matter where you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.